Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. And uh, I think we're going to do one more, and so you don't want to miss our last week. We always save the best for last, and uh, it's just been a good series, stirring us up, getting us prepared. And listen, God's doing some awesome things and just getting us ready for this coming fall, because fall is always a kickoff time to just kind of get back into the groove of things. And so listen, we're just purposing to position ourselves, not to try to have to catch up, but be where we need to be when God starts moving. Amen? When I say starts moving, because obviously church just gets kind of back to normal. You know, when you think about it from our kids' perspective, you know, they have the summer off. Uh, they have roughly three months, uh, three months through the, the, the summer months. And teachers say that they lose about two months of, of teaching because of that, or they're two months behind. So every time they go back to school for the first two months, they're having to catch them back up to get them to a place to start learning again. And so God doesn't want us to be that way. He doesn't want us like, oh man, they're coming out of the mully grubs, they're coming out of the lazy uh, season of summer. No, he wants us to be right on point, ready to run and do exactly what he wants us to do. And so raw or getting vulnerable with God is all about us purposing to continue to move forward. Amen? Amen. And so as we said, getting raw, getting real, getting transparent with God, getting vulnerable with God is what we've been talking about. And so today what I'm going to share with you is really along the same concept, but just going all in for God just all in as a believer that's where God wants us to be as be all in in our relationship with him saying God there's no reserve there's no regret there's no return it's all or nothing I'm cashing in I'm going all in serving God with everything within my being amen and that's my heart now I don't know if you're a gambler or not I've never been a gambler. I've never enjoyed uh, going and, and trying to uh, win the, the, the choice of, or I guess it's the law of chance. Uh, I've never uh, really tried to, uh, tried my luck at that, I guess I should say. So I work too hard for my money, and so therefore I never wanted to, 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 to really try to win anything. I'm like, you know what, I can invest my money, I can spend it where I want to. But, uh, you know, there are people that will purpose to try to, when when it comes to gambling well if you're a good gambler obviously you know the tricks you know the trades and if you're a poker player obviously there comes a time where you've got a good hand and when you've got a good hand there's what is called cashing in or being all in if you've ever seen the cowboy movies where you know he's got the toothpick hanging out one side of the mouth and the cards you know and he's got that twinkle in his eye and then he takes the the stack of coins or chips and he pushes it all to the center of the table and says betting it all why are they endeavoring to bet it all or saying i'm putting everything in it's because they've got a good hand and they're saying my the odds are in my favor and when i win i'm gonna win big But when it comes to God, we're so reluctant to cash in or be all in with God. I mean, we'll be more eager to go to the casino and say, I'm going to try my chances and lose my money versus saying, God, you're faithful and I just trust you to be God. Amen. 
God wants us to really come to that place in our lives to say, God, I'm all in. I bet it all. I'm laying it on the line because, Lord, you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And the reward is great with you. And so I want to challenge us this morning just a purpose to dive into that idea and become people that are all in. Now, if you remember, we started this series talking about why is it or asking the question, why is it that people don't become vulnerable? Why is it that we're reluctant? Why are people reluctant to be all in with God? Well, we said there's four things. Number one, we said that we're afraid of being hurt more than having a deep relationship. Now, from the natural side of speaking of people, but that is also applicable to God. I'm afraid of being hurt or let down rather than really trying to cultivate that relationship with God. Number two, we said that we're afraid of surrendering our power. And that's a real big one. God, I want to be in control. You want, to, you want me to do what uh, with, with my money? <laughs> 10%? We don't want to lose the power. We want to be in control. Well, I, I, you know, Dr. Phil's got this saying. He says, how's that working for you? I mean, how well has life gone with you at the wheel? I mean, God's told us what his desire is for us. Is our life lining up and looking like what God said? He said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly in quality and quantity of life. What's the quality of life? What's the quantity of life? Are you barely getting by or you're squeaking? Or are you living the life of the abundant life that Jesus came? Well, if you're not, then you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, well, you know what? I've been doing things my way. You know, Frank Sinatra sang that song. I did it my way. And that's our life model for a lot of people. I did it my way. Yeah. So anyways. <laughs> so we're afraid of surrendering our power. Number three, we're said we're afraid of the past or the pain of the past. Meaning I've experienced some things in my life. And because of that, I don't ever want to go back there. Well, you realize that when it comes to trusting God, there are some faith challenges where God stretches us. Stretch is never pleasant. It's never fun. It's sometimes painful. You know, when I was in martial arts as a young boy, you know, being a kid, you're as flexible as can be. I mean, I could do the split sideways, front words. I could put my head up behind, my leg up behind my head. And I mean, I was just a rubber band. And then there were some older men that would come in. I mean, they were so stiff. I mean, you try to lift their leg and I mean, it would spring back because there was so much tension. I mean, they were so tight. I mean, you couldn't stretch them from anything. And all you had to do was start lifting their leg a little bit and they're screaming. Ah! Well, as a kid, I'm thinking, what is your deal? You're so out of shape. Well, at this present age that I, I'm in, this young, ripe age that I am, now that I'm the age I am, I've tried to do some stretches. And I found out that I'm that old man that I used to look at and make fun of in the, in the old dojo. Why? Because I'm not as limber as I used to be, and the stretching really hurts. And so once again, when it comes to this stretching, many times we don't want to become vulnerable. Say, God, I'm going to be all in because we remember, we remember that there was a stretching process. Sometimes it's not comfortable. 
But stretching is always growth time. And God's always looking to get us to that next place in our life with Him. And then lastly, it says, we are afraid we won't like what we see when we look at the person in the mirror. We won't like what we see when we get there. So that means you've got to kind of dust some things off. You've got to expose some things. You've got to become vulnerable. And if I really cash in and say, God, I am going all out for you. Again, sometimes we're just afraid of what that might look like. Well, if it's fear, that is the root. In fact, all those four things that we saw, fear is the consistent pattern with all of them. But you probably have heard this before, but fear, F-E-A-R, is nothing more than false evidence appearing real. And so that's the big tactic of the enemy. He tries to get into our head. He tries to talk in our ear to say, you know what? It's going to hurt. You know, you don't want to give up your power. You remember the pain of the past. And you know what? You just might not like what you see. And so therefore, we begin to look at things that are a lie. And we make what is a lie becoming a reality in our life. And God says, that's not the reality. But because we've bought into the lie... And made it the reality. We've actually become blinded to the truth that is right there. There's a truth of freedom, of liberty, of growth, of peace, of joy. But as a result of allowing ourselves to get into fear. And allowing false evidence that appears to be real. We back down and we cowered to the lie. And God wants us to simply get to the place where we're all in. The devil paints the picture of how bad it is. We buy the lie and we fail to see how good God is. We see the bad and forget the good. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter 5. Starting at verse 22. It's speaking of the fruit of the Spirit. We just asked just a few minutes ago how many of you have received Christ into your life. And I believe just about everybody said that they have asked Jesus into their heart. Well, if Jesus came and lives in us, His Spirit or His Holy Spirit is in us, He brings His attributes with Him. And the Bible says this is the fruit of the Spirit or of God Himself. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good list of fruit. I mean, the first two, the first three would be enough to make you want to become a tither. (laughs) That goes over real big. (laughs) Listen, the fruit... The byproduct, the character of God in you is love, joy, and peace. If God said, if you want genuine joy and peace, and I require 50%, it would be worth it. To have joy and peace? Come on, as a pastor, you see people all the time that are tormented and do not have peace of mind. 
You come in contact all the time with people that truly don't know joy. or They're looking for happiness, but they've never really experienced joy. Because their emotions are looking for a feeling that causes them to be up and down rather than a contentment on the inside that God says, I've come to give you peace. I've come to give you joy. There's fruit on the inside of you. You just got to tap into it. Fruit is the byproduct that we're looking for, right? Why do you go to work? Do you go to work because you like working with the people that you work with? In fact, statistics show this. That the person that has worked for 30 years side by side with people... Those that have been their lifelong friends within a particular work environment, within six months, they no longer see those people that they used to work with. So you don't go to work for the sake of the social interaction. You don't go to work because it stretches your mind and it makes you become a more smart person. You don't go to work on the assembly line and work out and and think, man, this is really making me fit and healthy. No, the fruit of your labor is what you're wanting. And it's the paycheck, right? You want the paycheck. You want the payoff, the fruit of your labor. Well, the Bible says there's a fruit or there's a byproduct of God that is an end result that is available to us. So if God's in us, there is a fruit or a byproduct that is available. Amen. So, now, let me just kind of give you a, a natural example. I've got a pear tree out in the back of my yard. Now, it has not come into season yet where they are ready to harvest. But there's little pears on that tree, and they're getting bigger by the day. Now, if I was at home, and I was in the kitchen, and I look at my wife, and I'm like, Babe, I really want a pear. I sure wish I had a pear. She could rightfully say to me, well, you've got pears. Yeah, but I want a pear. You've got all kinds of pears. You've got a tree full of them out there. Yeah, but I really want a pear. You've got pears. The only difference is, is that they haven't come into season. So I've got to be patient. Right? I said I've got to be patient In order to harvest. But I still have them. I still have pears. I have a tree full of pears. In fact I probably lose close to 100 pears a year. And the deer come out and they they munch them all up. Right? But there's coming a time. When those pears come into season. When they're ready. And when they're ready I can once again say. I'm hungry for a pear. And I'm looking around my house and I'm like, man, I wish I had a pear. And my wife says, you got a tree full of them out there. Yeah, but I sure wish I had a pear. I wish I had a ripe, juicy pear. The only thing separating me from having the fruit or partaking of it is the effort that it takes to go out there and get it. So there is an operation of faith, of believing That they're out there, but then I have to appropriate action to my faith and say, yep, they're out there and I'm going to go grab one and I'm going to eat it. So what am I trying to say? There's fruit on the inside of you of love, joy, peace, 
Long-suffering, in other words, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. It's in there. But we pride ourselves. Well, I'm just a realist. I'm a realist. I'm not a faker. I'm not going to fake it if I don't feel it. Well, it's not based upon how you feel. Because it's in there. Well, I don't feel real patient right now. I don't feel like I have peace. I surely don't feel like I got joy. And I'm surely not going to fake it either. I mean, this past Wednesday night, we had a night full of joy. And people will look around and say, what is going on? What are these people crazy? No, they're just tapping into the joy that's on the inside. It's there. It's fruit that's in there. All they had to do is say, hey, listen, I'm choosing right now to experience joy because I've got the fruit of joy in me. But somebody could say, well, I surely don't feel like laughing or feeling joyful right now. I am not a faker. It's not being a faker. It's being a faither. Did you hear me? I said, it's not being a faker. It's being a faither. Well, I'm just a realist. No, you're just a bonehead. (laughs) Because joy's on the inside. The fruit is on the inside. All we have to do is purpose to trust God and say, God, I'm all in. I'm cashing in. The reward says I can have peace. The reward says I can have joy. The reward says I can have love and forgiveness and patience and gentleness and self-control. Well, I don't want to fake. No, there's faith in it, not faking it. There's a difference. Amen? In James chapter 1 Starting in verse 2, James chapter 1, verse 2, says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Everybody say it with me. Lacking Lacking. nothing. Nothing. Say it this way. No thing lacking. Say it again. No thing lacking. Come on. He says there's nothing that ought to be lacking in your life. Now there might be a a season of ripening. There is a fruit of nothing lacking in your life. But he says count it all joy. So what does that mean? That means that there is going to be something that challenges your faith. Challenges your joy. Because in other words, you're not necessarily going to want to get happy. Well, listen, the bills are due. Well, stir up joy. I don't feel like being joyful right now. Don't you know that the bills are coming? Well, I I thought God was faithful. I thought the Bible says that God supplies all of our needs according to his riches and his glory. Well, the doctor said that this is the report. Okay, I, I, I get you. But the Bible says that by his stripes you're healed. Well, listen, I don't see it right now. Oh, no, there might be a testing of your faith. But the fruit is in here. The healing is at work. Count it all joy. Well, I don't feel like being joyful. I want to cry right now. I don't want to be a faker. No, when you want to cry, all you're doing is being moved by the emotions. When you choose to count it all joy... You choose to be in faith. Amen? Amen. Okay, so now 
It says, count it all joy. So in other words, there's going to be a challenge. You are going to have to intentionally do something to get the fruit. So listen, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, self-control. That's a byproduct of who God is in you and the fruit that's already abiding in you. But every single one of those things is going to rub your flesh or your natural man. It will never, ever, 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 ever just come natural to you. It will always rub your flesh. Come on, try pastoring a little bit. There's things that will just rub your flesh. Oh, you mean I got to be joyful this morning? (laughs) Yeah. Got to have patience. Oh, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> right? Come on, husbands, wives. Oh, you mean I got to love them right now? Yeah, you do. I don't want to. Okay, it's a choice. Yeah, it's rubbing your flesh right now, isn't it? You mean I got to choose to have a peaceful mind? Yep, yep. Because everything will rub your flesh and your emotions and your mind contrary to what God's word says. And therefore, you have to choose. I I have to choose to become a person of faith and say, okay, God, I choose to be at peace. And everything around you is streaming. See, it's always going to be a battle. But the fruit's in you. But it's only when we purpose to choose to be all in and say, God, when I'm all in, there's nothing for me to fall back on. There's nothing that I can do within my strength, my ability, my power. I've taken my hands off the wheel. I've cashed in. And God, I surrender to you. And it's when we do that, that we can begin to function and use our faith for fruit to remain and abide in our lives. Psalm 126, Psalm 126 in verse 1 and th- one through 3 says this. It says, When the Lord brought back, ca- the, brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then, the, then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. I've talked to individuals and they've said, You know what? I've had nightmares. I've had tormenting nightmares. And this has been awful. Well, listen, God says he wants to give you a dream. And when God does things, it's like a dream, not a nightmare. God, I could have, I could have only, I could have only dreamed that you would have done it that good. God, I, I can only imagine, I could have only dreamed that God, you would have been that faithful, that good, that forgiving, that gracious to me. God, it's like a dream. It's far beyond everything that I can even begin to imagine. You do abundantly above all that I ask or think. You are so good, God. It's like a dream. See, when we purpose to cash in and say, God, I'm all, I'm surrendering to you. God brings the dreams to pass in your heart, but He does it far surpassing and he says when you start to see it there's laughter not tears there's joy not grief there's peace not torment why because God's disfaithful amen I said God's faithful 
Now you might say, well, I'm going through some stuff. Sure, we all do. But it's perfecting faith in us. Fruits ripening. Amen. Come on. You realize you can partake of fruit even when it's not fully ripened? Sure. I used to have apple trees before I killed them. Now, when they come to full, full bloom, they were real sweet. But even though there was times before they were fully ripened, I could go out there and pick them and I could still eat them. They were a little more tart, but I could still eat them. And so you can tap into that fruit that's on the inside of you at any time. And it might not fully be incubated or ready for harvest right now. But when you start to, God, it's in there. It'll carry you through to the reward. Amen. Paul, the apostle Paul, he was, he was a Pharisee and he was a religious man. In fact, if you know anything about Paul, the Bible says that because of his upbringing and his training, he knew the Old Testament. That was just part of his culture, part of his upbringing. So he memorized the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. But do you remember when Paul had the encounter on the road to Damascus? When he came face to face with Jesus? This man that had been religious. This man that would call himself a devout man of faith. A man that would say, I know the law by heart. When he came face to face with Jesus, there was two questions that he asked Jesus. The first question was, Lord, who are you? Number two, he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And see, that's what oftentimes happens. Is that we've got people that have got a religious background. That maybe have prayed a prayer when they were a kid. They know the Bible, they went to church, they went through the formulas, they went through the format of church and religion, and they know what to do, they know how to look, but if Jesus was there to stand before them, they would still be asking the question, Lord, who are you? See, there's a false security of thinking that we're okay with God, because people say, well, I'm a good person. Jesus said, there's not anybody that's good. There's only one thing that qualifies you as being a follower of Christ. I didn't say having a church attendance role. I said being a follower of Christ. And Paul, that knew the Bible inside and out far better than you or me put together, still didn't know Jesus when he showed up. But when he came face to face with him, he says, I want to know you. But then upon asking, who are you? And recognizing there was something different about Jesus and having a relationship versus this religious formality. The next question that came out of his mouth was says, God, what do you want me to do? You see, when you really come to know Jesus, it stops being formality. See, many times we wonder why life is being tossed to, to and fro, why life is hard, why we hear of the blessings of God, but we never see them in our life. It's because all we've ever done was really just play church and never become the church. 
And therefore, Jesus says, listen, when you come to know me, you'll begin to ask the question, what do you want me to do? Because when we ask, what do you want us to do? That means, God, I'm cashing in my chips. But why do we never come to that place of saying, what do you want me to do, Jesus? It's because we're afraid. I'm afraid of the pain. I'm afraid of giving up my power. I'm afraid that I might not like what I see when he says, this is what I want you to do. But let me just tell you, he'll never tell you to do something that you don't want to do. Because he made you. Come on. Christy's an artist. She's gifted to do that. Do you play any instruments? You don't play any instruments. Okay, so when God comes and talks to Christy, she, he, he's going to say, I'm going to ask you to be empowered to do what I put in you. But he's not going to come up to you and say, all right, now I want you to play the saxophone. And you're like, I don't know how to do that. She might want to do that, but she don't know how to do that. God's going to do the same thing with whatever in you, how he's made you, is going to go along with what you desire to do. Come on. Now listen. Our worship team, they love playing music. But I can tell you, it's not always convenient to practice. As much as they like to do it, there's times they're like, I don't want to come practice. I don't want to play. I don't want to see your face. Why? Because there's a sacrifice. There's a price to pay to do what God's called them to do. But nevertheless, they suck it up and they say, okay, this is what's required. It's not always easy. It's not always convenient. But they make the sacrifice to say, God, what do you want me to do? And that's all God's asking us. Will you come closer? As I said, we oftentimes don't ask that question. First of all, who are you, Lord? Because we are afraid of what the answer might be. Many times we don't ask the questions is because we don't feel worthy. Once again, I talk with people all the time. And it seems as though the past haunts them. It affects who they are, how they live, how they think, how they respond. In Isaiah, the Bible says this, that the blood of Jesus blots out all of our transgressions and he remembers them no more. Many times we don't ever get to that place of really saying, Lord, who are you and what do you want me to do? Because we look at ourselves from the lens of what we thought, what we think, how we feel. But when we came into a relationship with him, and said, God, will you forgive me? We cash in the chips and say, God, I, I want to surrender my heart and my life to you. Your past is blotted out. In fact, let me say it this way. Your past, your faults, your failures, your hurts. The Bible says that God doesn't remember them no more. So therefore, if it has the power to, re- to remove them from God's memory, then the blood of Jesus has the power to remove them from your memory. And so therefore, you don't have to stand before God saying, God, I'm just not worthy. God, I've done this. God, I've... No, God's saying, I don't remember it. And therefore, you can come to God and say, God, <laughs> clean slate, baby. 
God, the past is gone. I'm a new man. If you're, a, if you're in Christ, the old man's passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And now God's called you to become a minister for Him. And you can stand before Him and say, God, you don't remember it, so I choose not to either. Now, you know the enemy's going to come and try to play rewind and play and rewind and play of the past. Well, listen, I, I don't want to be a faker. That's my past. No, listen, that's not a faker. That's a faither. I have no past. I'm free. My past has built some character. It's made me who I am. But the junk of the past, I don't have to remember it no more. Therefore, I can step in and say, God, it will not hinder me from being all in with you. I can experience God's joy, his love, his peace. Amen. And then I can ask him, God, what do you want me to do? I'll close with this. And we'll pick up maybe next week as well. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 28. Paul, he's talking about communion and what it represents. And he's giving us admonition. Stirring us up to really remember or identify. And understand the power of. Of salvation. But he makes a very strong statement at the end. And he says, Don't take communion in an unworthy manner, meaning don't desecrate it, don't belittle it, because there's great power in what Jesus came to do. But he says, There are many that are sick and dying and going home. Because they don't discern the Lord's body. Part of discerning the body. Is discerning his church. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the head. We are his body. The church is not a building. The church is an assembly. Amen. There's some assembly required. I work for Flint Truck and Bus, and it's called an assembly plant. Well, they don't start out by building the chassis and then bypass all the parts and stops in between and roll it out on the end of the assembly line and say, here's your new truck. No, there's some assembly required of coming and having each member do its part. And at the end of the assembly line, you have a product. But assembly is required. Part of us being all in is saying, God, I will discern your body. And understand that coming together like this is healthy. It builds me. It produces faith. So that in the challenges of life, I don't have to fake it. I can faith it. Come on, you don't have to look very far. Ones that you know. And don't hear my heart as being critical because I'm not. Because everybody's where they're at. But you know the different ones that you have relationship in with the church. And there's times that you see them here. Times that you see them not here. But then you look at their life. And you think, wow. Look at what kind of fruit you have. And then you can look at your own life and you say... I'm so thankful for the fruit that I have. What's the difference? 
It's not that, not that God is a respecter of persons. It's not that God is being judgmental or critical. It's just that you have begun to cultivate the fruit in your life by discerning the body and saying, God, I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be faithful to come. I'm going to be faithful to hang out with my body. Amen. The Bible says that every part of the body has a supply. And every supply gives of its time and talent. And it recognizes the body. You see Jordan up here playing his guitar. The only way that he can play his guitar is because every part of his body works. And therefore he can play. Now do me a favor real quick. Lock your right elbow. No, lock it. Straight out. All right, now play your guitar. All right, you got creative there. All right. <laughs> All right, lock both elbows. There you go. Now play your guitar. Okay, thank you. Smart Alec, I tell you. <laughs> you get the point. His elbows are a part of his body. But if they don't work, if they don't work in harmony, you don't get the fruit of the labor. God wants us to come together and really begin to grow. Let's get all in together. Amen. 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 Let's stand. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for everyone that's here this morning. I thank you, Father, that we are all in and that God, those that might be standing on the sidelines, those that are just questioning, those that are skeptical, those that are just Oh, just maybe they're hurt from the past. God, I pray right now that you would open up the eyes of our understanding. That, God, we would begin to understand that being all in is your heart, your desire. And it's a good thing. It's a prosperous thing. Because it's in that place that you begin to pour out your spirit and move mightily in our lives. So, God, we thank you that we're shifting. And the fruit is being produced And we are partaking. In Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship God. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life